this up as I go. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I graduated the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I need to do this all day. The Matt Sodnicker Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you so much for everybody that has been listening and sending me texts and Facebook messages. I really appreciate it. I see them all and it means a lot. So I do appreciate it. And with me today is a longtime friend and mentor, Carrie Zellner. She's the board member of Hagger International, and that is not the pants company. She's the executive partner for Gartner Consulting. She works with CIOs and CXOs. And uh, without question, she has been a guardian angel for me in my career here in Denver. So I've been pushing her to do a podcast for years. And so it's finally happening. And so, Carrie, welcome and thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate having you having me here. Um, and yes, you have been on me to do this for quite some time. So <laughs> I think I finally have gotten the courage to do it. So let's do it. <laughs> well, like I said, you're just talking to me and it's been something we've been doing for years. So awesome. Um, let's jump into it. So Hagger, what, what does it mean to you? What is it? And why are you involved? So for a long time, I've been wanting to get on a board, but just, you know, life, right? You, you have a job, you know, I have a child. It's just things are so busy. And when um, Amanda Wilde just called me out or texted me on, sent me an email on LinkedIn, um, I was really interested when I looked at the link for Hagger and I was like, God, I can't say no. Like, finally, there was something that was put on my heart and I saw it and I looked at it and I saw a whole story about the people that had been trafficked and enslaved. And I was like, it physically kind of made me sick. And I thought, how can you not do this? Like there would be something wrong with me mm -hmm. if I did not do something about this. And it's not like, you know, this happens every day that someone finds you out of the middle of the blue on LinkedIn and just reaches out to you. So once I saw that and I contacted her and we had a long conversation, then I interviewed with the board and I thought, you know, their, their whole mission is just incredible and it helps so many people and has such a broad reach. And, you know, and it's about prevention. It's about healing. It's about protecting. And once I read it, Matt, there was just it was on my heart. And I I, you know, for days I thought about it and I'm like, how could you even say no? Like we're so privileged, right? We are so, it happens here in America, but like in these Asian pack communities, it is so prevalent. And, you know, a lot of times people have no way out. So you mentioned that it landed on your heart. What about it was that what stuck with you for those three or four days after she had asked you to join? I thought about how privileged I am. I thought about mm. everything I did in a day like go to the gym, you know, run to the grocery store or run to, you know, home goods, which are pottery, barn, which <laughs> seems to be a habit of mine these days, but, um, they do have good stuff. But every time I did that, I thought, Oh my God, that's a hundred dollars. Like what could this hundred dollars do for someone that is a victim of, you know, any of this. And I, I just thought that if I don't do something about this, I just would never really forgive myself for not doing it. Like I, I wouldn't have, I couldn't have just not done it. Yeah. 
I mean, it sounds like it had quite an impact. Mm -hmm. Once I read the stories about Mm -hmm. the victims and then what Hagger does to help them. And it's not just like a home where they take them in. It's a home where they bring in specialists to help them with the trauma side of it. And the trauma side is what will, you know, haunt them forever. So being able to give them the tools, the resources, everything they need from just, you know, as soon as they walk in those doors to the end, which is really helping them be hopefully back to as normal as they can be and have productive lives. And you you raise an interesting point about the, I guess, the privilege or the sort of how, I guess, easy our lives are here in the States. And I say that without any guilt or remorse. It's the circumstances to which we were born, right? But I think there is an obligation to help where you can. Mm -hmm. And it could be your soup kitchen. It could be your school. It could be wherever, right? Right. And not out of a place of like... Like I said, it's not out of guilt. It's just that, hey, we have the means to try to level some people up. And you can't mm-hmm. save everybody. You're not going to change the world. But you know what? You could change two lives or five lives or mm-hmm. ten. And if you have that opportunity, I think you need to take advantage of it and do whatever you can. Right. Right. And I think that that's what weighed so heavily on my heart was that every little bit helps. Right. Like we can help where we can help. And we all have some means to help a little bit, right? I mean, we go should. to Starbucks, right? I mean, we go to Starbucks. <laughs> you know, you think about like how many times you go to Starbucks in a month. And I'm like, wow, 25 bucks could help feed someone for a week that has been enslaved and trafficked, right? And and they've been traumatized and have no way out. Um, you know, it's funny because I always think of Schindler's List. And do you remember the accountant at the very end? He's like, oh, my God, if I would have sold my car. Oh, my God, if I would have done this. Oh, my God, if I would have done that, we could have saved more lives. Right. I always think of that. And I'm like, wow, if I would have just done this, even in impacting one, two, five lives is better than impacting none. I'll admit, I know probably everything there is about Schindler's List, but I've never seen it. And when it came out, um, there's certain things that... I, I maybe say I'm a little nervous to see it because of the impact. Mm-hmm. And it's something I need to see, you know, before I check out of this earth. But right. I know everything about it, but it's one of those things like I've just heard how powerful it is. And I need to be in the right space to see that because I think I know myself well enough. I'd probably have the same reaction that that you did is that, you know, do I need one more set of bike jerseys and bibs <laughs> <laughs> right right need or right. want there's a there's a very right. different thing right and <clears throat> i remember reading i think it was um it was one of the titans from like the 1920s like rockefeller or schwab or somebody and just that he had built he'd spent half of his life accruing his fortune and the other half giving it away and right. i'm not in a position to do that yet but yeah you could do something Right, right. It doesn't have to be big, but every little bit helps, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have a big um, painting in my garage that says, you know, part of life is finding your gift and the other part is giving it away. So when you find your gift, like what use is it if you don't give it away, right? Mm-hmm. Like what if you don't share that? Because it's a gift, right? I mean, it's 
And we all have, again, we live in America. I think we all have the means and it's not like you have to go out and, you know, break the bank or anything like that. But every little bit helps these people have a somewhat productive life after they've been traumatized like that. Well, let's get into it. So let's talk about the organization, where they focus, who they help, what they do, some of their goals, because that's that's really the, the focus of this conversation is how you got involved and what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Well, so, um, you know, their overall vision is really that, you know, they just want to free communities that have been, you know, exposed to the trafficking or the enslavery or, you know, any type of abuse. And, you know, in Asia and the Pacific regions, it's just really, really rampant, right? And um, so part of what they do is they they want to not only prevent it, but they also want to, um, you know, help position people, protect people. You know, what they're doing right now is Hager actually gets involved with ministries like so that you know the court systems the police systems like they're 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 working with the overall you know enforcement agencies and things like that in these different countries to help change the behaviors change the culture right and so um being able to you know help people just from you know their number one goal was really to heal right so taking these these individuals in helping them heal and you know we have staffed you know, um, psychologists, things like that, that really help them. And they understand what they've been through. So they're helping them, you know, all the way around to heal. And then it's preventing, like, how do we get in front of this? And it's, I know that in the States here, we have a really, you know, this is starting to be an increase quite a bit of this type of, of, you know, trafficking. And it's starting to be a very large business, but, you know, prevention could start there right in in the asia pac communities and then you know being able to partner build the capacity with um you know being able to have trauma care people be able to help the survivors and then um you know empowering and equipping those survivors by giving them jobs giving them a a purpose right they've they've been beaten down so much that it's like they're just lost they're traumatized right so being able to give them a purpose and then um you know, influencing change in the community, right? And that's back to working with the the government agencies, national and international levels, to be able to just get people to understand what's going on and then what their part in helping prevent this and not, you know, enabling it, Mm -hmm. right? Like sometimes the perpetrator and the victim may be in the same cab that goes to the court, right? And so, yeah, so there's, you know, I mean, because things aren't, like they are here, right? Like you just don't have the the boundaries and stuff. So there's a lot that goes on. Well, and I, I <clears throat> look at you know one of the goals, and I'll post a link to their the to Hager's website. But you know they talk about the influence in changing the policy of the community. Mm-hmm. I had a sales manager tell me that like all politics are local, right? Right. So if you're trying to sell somebody, this is in the bike industry and you get like one team on all these wheels, everybody thinks those wheels are everywhere, right? Right. And we've done targeted ad campaigns on Facebook where we're just targeting the one company. You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the term now, but uh, account-based marketing, where like every time they log in, they're seeing an ad for this. Right, right. They don't know that they're the only ones seeing that. So if you start at the, the most basic level, like on your block, mm-hmm. yeah, you could have an impact on somebody. Well, and just raising awareness, 
right, Matt? Like I, I've known and I've um, what really kind of stemmed my interest in all of this was that I was working with a, an account executive at Gartner in Texas, and we were working with a data and analytics chief of data, uh, chief data officer. And it was all around the sex trafficking and, you know, the beltways like, you know, Texas has a normal, you know, standard beltway and that, you know, it's sex trafficking is much more prevalent in those areas where there's a natural beltway where you can get on the highway and quickly, you know, be able to traffic. Um, so we were talking about that and this woman and I were, Darla, she was very passionate about this as I was. And I'm like, oh my God, we have to do something. We have to use technology. We have to use data to help not only prevention, but, you know, to be able to, you know, intervene once something does happen. Like, why are we not using data to solve these problems? We use data in all businesses to save, you know, to solve problems. So why are we not using data to solve these problems, right? And I'm sure we are in some cases. I mean, I'm not that educated about it, but it started weighing heavy on me. Like there's got to be ways that we can help through technology to be able to give people the tools to be able to not only prevent, but intervene and then also help, you know, heal and, and you know, be able to give these people sustainable lives. So that's fascinating because I've had <clears throat> several data people on here and people that have a data mind, they they blow my mind. So right. when you were talking about the data as it pertains to trafficking, what was the like the data set or the the schema or whatever? And I know you're not a data person, I'm not a data person. But right. What were some of the factors that are are visible in this? So, Matt, it was more about looking at it from a data strategy perspective. Like, what are the um, data sources that we could capture through the state that would give us the information that we needed to be able to put a data strategy around that particular topic? And so, um, you know, I don't know the details behind it or, you know, how this individual is really trying to approach it other than he wanted, was thinking about a Gartner license and he was looking for an executive partner that could help him with that data strategy. Got it. Okay. So I didn't, I don't know what their ecosystem looked like. I don't know where they were pulling, you know, data sources from and how they were going to consolidate it and make decisions on it. But that's really what he was looking for help with. Okay. Was that, you know, we have all these data sources that are probably really good, rich, you know, Sure. You know, really relevant sources that maybe if we pulled, we could do better prevention or we could do better intervention. Yeah. Look at demographics, right? Look at look at what, you know, are there a particular area that's being targeted more than others? And, you know, just being able to leverage that data was huge. And this this gentleman was really, really passionate about it. And so Darla, my friend and I, we got really passionate about it. We're like, we have to do this. (laughs) And then like two weeks later. Hager reached out to me. Just out of the blue. Out of the middle of the blue. Yeah, just out of the blue. So it's, like I said, it was just kind of that intervention in life that you go, I got to do something about this. (laughs) That was too, it was not just coincidental, right? Yeah, there are no coincidences. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, so. um, Well, that, that was always, I've never expressed this to, I think, anybody but that was always one of my 2 a.m. stare at the ceiling fears when I became a parent that, yeah, and that's why I just can't watch any of the true crime shows is that mm-hmm. one of the, something would happen to one of the kids. Right. 
Right. And as a parent, I think that would be the worst nightmare. Oh, any yeah. parent could ever ex- like. I I don't know how you would ever get past that. So, yeah. I I think of you know these these poor people in these countries. They're being enticed, Matt, by they they're so desperate to to provide for their families because they need money, they need jobs, and so they get enticed to take these particular jobs. And then when they show up at this you know place that's supposed to be where they're supposed to start their new job, they realize that they're going to be trafficked, and so. You know, it's one of those things that it's like they set out to do something really good for their family because they're so desperate, as we all would be desperate to, you know, to provide for our families. And then they end up in these situations and it, you know, takes years for them to escape or months. And then when they do escape, they don't have a lot of places to go. So, you know, one of our, um, our, uh, the, one of the people that are in one of our homes right now, um, you know, she had escaped from her captors. And she ended up going to the embassy and they, they gave her the information she needed about Hagger. And then she got, you know, to one of our sites. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that weighs the heaviest on me is that I can't imagine somebody finally getting the courage to escape and what it must take to escape and then getting someplace where they have no room because we don't have enough money to support them. Or, you know what I'm saying? It just, that, that type of stuff weighs so heavily on me because I look at it and I'm like, I can't even imagine going through all that trauma to begin with, but then to get the courage, because you know what would happen if you did get caught, to finally get the courage to escape. And then you get to that point where it's like, now I have no place to go. Like I thought this was going to be the place because that's what I've heard so much about, right? And then if we don't have space, if we don't have funding, if we don't have room, you know, we wouldn't be able to take them in. And how sickening is that, right? Where do they go? I mean, I, I can't even imagine how heavy that must weigh on somebody when they just, it would just be defeating all the way around. Like there's just no out ever. Yeah, let's move that cord over here. Okay. <clears throat> well, and I think that's a, a, a thing to point out too, is nobody would choose this. They would, nobody would, even if it was, you know this is such a a mild term for what's happening but like bait and switch right Mm -hmm. if your family is starving and somebody offers an opportunity and you're manipulated into that nobody would choose that right right that love for your family is you know one of the most powerful forces on the on the face of the earth for good and for bad and so nobody's going to choose to be a victim of this Right. So, you know, I think about our bait and switch, right? Like in America, right? Our bait and switch may be, oh, I hired a contractor to do X and he did Y, right? So my tile didn't exactly turn out right or my doors aren't really hung the way I want or maybe they got the wrong color when they painted my walls or something, right? Mm -hmm. I think of bait and switch in that just the Travis, you know, just how tragic it would be to show up is something you really thought was going to be awesome for a job to provide for your family and now you're trafficked right just not only enslaved but trafficked i mean can you imagine how horrific that is like our bait and switches wow best buy had a (laughs) a sale on this tv right and i got there and dang it it was a toshiba and i thought it was going to be you know a vizio (laughs) right right i mean just think of that and it's like I, i can't even imagine I, I, I mean, I, I just can't even imagine their life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I want to point out, we're not trying to equate, you know, 
Black Friday television sales to this. <laughs> it's just, again, putting our first world problems into exactly. context, right? Exactly. So just for my education, so trafficking, like, d- is there like a, a distance that somebody has to go for that to be trafficking? Does they have to cross a, a country border? Like, because, you know, I, I look at the, the slave trade and the, you know, I, I just watched Pirates on Netflix and, yeah, from the 1600s to the late 1800s, right? That's slavery. And clearly they're trafficking people from Africa to you know, everywhere, the, the, the West, right? But in the context of Hagar, what is a trafficked person? Like, what are they going to experience? Oh, God. Um, so it's sex trafficking, okay. right? It's in slavery. So they could, you know traffic them to be their slaves and work on their farms or, you know, whatever, right? Anything that you think of being enslaved, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's, it's not just, it's, it's, it is women and, ch- and, and girls, you know, but it's also boys. Like, you know, Afghanistan, we, you know, just have a big presence there right now. And we have over a hundred boys that just came in. And we're thinking that there's only, you know, a hundred boys at this point, how many girls are there? that we haven't even identified. Right. And so, um, you know, being able to look at, you know, it's, it's like the most extreme cases are, you know, human rights abuse, including, you know, gender based violence, um, you know, modern day slavery, where you're just, you know, you are someone's slave, you do whatever they need you to do and they beat you or they, you know, you have no rights, you sleep on the floor and, eat whatever they give you. I mean, it, it's slavery. It's, and then there's the sex trafficking, which is, you know, really, really rampant, right? In mm. Asia and things like that. So, and it's not just little girls, it's women, it's boys. It's, it's not gender bias at all. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation because <clears throat> um, as I've been doing these episodes, I've, gone after topics that are challenging to talk about and challenging to listen to you know i think it's important to to get these out and especially you know again going back to how we started this conversation about what we could possibly do to help somebody i I hesitate to use the word less fortunate right just Mm -hmm. i would just say different circumstances but um yeah, I'm kind of tailing off on that. But, you know, for this starting as a business podcast to, you know, kind of circling back to, you know, Hager and, and what their mission is, it's um, it's a challenge for me to talk about and to listen to. But it's something that yeah, I'm definitely willing to do and I'm glad I'm doing it. So, right. Right. Yeah, I, I think. um yeah, it's just again, it's awareness. Right. And it's sometimes, you know, it's it's a hard topic to talk about because sometimes I don't want to even get into any detail right i just i want to know on the surface that i need to raise money for this and i don't want to know at a level that i know will not be able to get out of my head what really Mm -hmm. happens right and so anytime you have to block something like that because it's so traumatic even to me to think about what they are going through it's like that's why i have to help right that is that is why it's so heavy on my heart is because when something is so horrific to me that i can't even let it in and get into that level of detail, I'm like, 
I just need to block that and do whatever I can on the outside to help because because I have to. As a, as just a human being, you have to. Well, I can attest to this personally. It's how you're wired. Right. You right. specifically carries on as how you're wired. And you've done that for me. Like I said, with no joke, no exaggeration, being my guardian angel, right? Right. So <clears throat> I'm not surprised in the least that something like this um, affected you in the way that it did. Because I just, I know your character. I know your, like how you view local humanity and now global humanity. Like it's, it's not a surprise at all. Well, I just like helping people, right? So yeah. when you get yeah. like this underserved population or this underprivileged population, right? You're like, oh my God, like I loved helping you, right? I help as many people as I can because it's my favorite thing in the world is to help people get jobs. And like, I get so excited when they're so, you know, just stoked about getting a new job. Um, so that's always fun for me, but this is more of like just a mission. Like it's kind of my mission to, you know, just make sure that the word is out and that people understand that there is this whole other thing that we can't get our heads around, or I can't personally, nor can I go that deep because I'm afraid of how it would affect me. Mm -hmm. So all I can do is on the outside, do everything I can. And I know that I have a ton of friends that also have big hearts, right? And that they're passionate and compassionate type people with a lot of empathy. So if I don't reach out and I don't ask people to help, then that would kind of be on me not doing my part. Right. I want to come back to Hagar in a second. Okay. But what, um, as part of your career path, what about, what, what was important about joining a board? What made you look at that and go, this is something that I want to devote time to? Well, I've always thought that, um, I always thought that I would be more on a private board, right? That's, that was my goal. And, um, with Gartner, you know, I have to be careful from an advisory perspective. I need to make sure that, you know, I stay within, you know, my lane of doing more nonprofit things and things for the betterment of our society or, you know, others, which I think that is very, very rewarding. Um, being on a board, it's just from a strategic perspective, right? Being able to work with Hager and, and look at, it's the same thing I do every day with my CIOs, right? And, you know, help mentor and coach and give different ideas and different views and bring new ideas, fresh ideas on, well, have you thought about this? And maybe if you did X and you looked at this outcome, what would you do from an IT perspective to help enable the business to meet that goal, right? And so it's kind of the same thing with Hager. And I thought, wow, I've never really done fundraising. <laughs> That's, I don't know what I'm doing at all. But um, <laughs> I, I just, You'll figure it out. I will figure I it out. No I doubt will, I will, I will. But um, the thing is, is that I look at it and it's like, why can I not just apply the same principles that I do in my everyday life, right? And it's, you know, security, looking at ransomware, looking at how do you prevent that? What should I be re recommending? Where are the resources, right? Where are the resources that my CXOs need to be able to help, you know, either communicate to the business what they need or communicate to the, you know, the business on strategy or what they need to be looking at long-term. And I thought, well, I can certainly do that with Hager as well. And not only that, I'm really passionate about it and I'm pretty passionate about IT too, but 
you put the human side on this, right? And the human slant to it. And I'm like, I think I could add value. Thank you. And, you know, that's something that I've, I've been, I always serve on boards, like on the marketing and the sales side, because mm-hmm. that's, that's my wheelhouse, which kind of ties into strategy. But yeah, it makes total sense that you could leverage all that firepower that you've had for, you know, your, your illustrious career and put it towards something that, yeah, helps people that really, truly need it. Right. Right. And it's all based on outcomes, Matt. Right. It's like you look at it. What do you want at the end of the day? What do you want? What does the business want? So every day when I work with CIOs on strategies or security programs or, you know, disaster recovery programs or whatever we're doing for the time being, it's like, what does the business want ultimately? So I look at this and I'm like, what does Hager need ultimately? Right. They need funding. They need outreach. They need campaigns. They need awareness. And once you put all that together, it's no different than what I do in my daily life, right? It's just being able to find those mechanisms or those vehicles to help tell your story, which is why I'm here with you. Finally, after all these years that you asked me to do a podcast, I'm finally here. (laughs) I guess I found something important enough that I was like, oh my God, I will put my inhibitions aside and like, you know, my you know, fear of, you know, getting on one of these and, and just do it because it's for, it's for the good. And it's, it's for people that need our help. (laughs) Now I'll be like a complete junkie. I'll be like, can I do a podcast? Can I do a podcast? (laughs) Carrie, we did four this week. (laughs) Enough, right? (laughs) Enough. (laughs) Are there any more topics, Carrie, that you can just completely explain? <laughs> well, I will set the the groundwork for an episode two because I do want to talk about your career as a woman in IT. I think it's outside the scope of this conversation, but I think right. we could easily fill um, another episode with that more of a less about oh, here's what's happened to me, but how you've been successful navigating through these waters. And uh, like I was telling you before we record, a lot of the advice that I give my daughter and some female friends, it's kind of like, what would Carrie do in this situation? (laughs) (laughs) So I want to, I don't want to distract from the the Hager conversation, but I I do want to extend that invite because I think that could be strategically and tactically very useful not not just for women but for men to sort of like taking your experience and how you operate in that that sphere of influence there yeah so we'll no. come back you'll, you'll at least get two <laughs> i'll get two podcasts <laughs> under my belt right <laughs> no i would love that matt and you know i'd love especially to help young girls and mentor them on just career paths and things like that um my friend is a, a business coach and she um, it, she does this webinar all the time, you know, hashtag, hashtag I'm remarkable. And we had a bunch of young girls one day and I just, I was amazed at how different they were, right? I, and I thought, was I like that at 15 and 16, <laughs> right? They, they just, they were eager for information and they they were eager to learn from other women, right? That have kind of, you know, push their way through some of those obstacles that maybe our moms didn't 
push their way through. I mean, my mom did, but you know, I mean, you look back and you just go, wow, was I like that? I don't know. But yeah, I would love to do that. So okay, that would be a fun part two. Part two. Guaranteed. Carrie's podcast. <laughs> hashtag number two. <laughs> and your hashtag remarkable too. There's, there's no two ways about that. Well, thank you, Matt. <laughs> Well, and in doing the research on on Hager, I was looking at the just their global reach. They've got offices in, I'll just read this list here, Afghanistan, Cambodia, Vietnam, Singapore, Myanmar, and support offices in Australia, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Singapore, the UK, and USA. And that's uh, quite a footprint that they have there. It's pretty right, impressive. Right. And we keep growing. And, you know, Afghanistan is really more in Myanmar, kind of a the newer markets. But, you know, as we start to see a need and there's a need everywhere. Right. The, the, this is this is a pretty um, global issue. So, um, you know, the more that we get awareness around this, the more that we have outreaches and campaigns around this, the more that people will start to be aware that this is, you know, this is a real problem. And everybody can help and everybody can get involved any way that they like. Um, you know, some of the things, so right now, so I work on, I'm a board member for Hager USA and then there's Hager, um, international and then there's Hager, um, Australia. And so each one of the boards, we all work together and, um, you know, help with funding things like that and outreach and campaigns and things. So everything helps. And it spans across a really broad reach, which I think is awesome. Well, and I'm looking at their, again, their um, <clears throat> their cycle here, and they talk about the whole journey. And yes, I am I'm reading off their 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 marketing, but it's important. And like I look at it from the healing, the prevention, the empowering, and the influence. Like they they they, it's a comprehensive view on this mm-hmm. problem. And as I'm reading through this, I look at some of the ways that I have gone through some of the personal challenges in my life. And it's the same exact cycle. You know, it's the healing. It's the the prevention. The, the one that really jumps off the page to me is the empowering. Right. And I know right. the like the lowest points of my journey the past <clears throat> 20 years, whatever it has been the darkest times have always been when I felt like I have no control and I have no other option and metaphorically feeling like I'm in the bottom of a well with no way out and having, you know, going back to like the partnership here and just the, you know, some, somebody just telling me like, Hey, it's dark, but it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, that the isolation is always the worst. But then having someone that could step in and say, look, you're not alone. Yeah, it sucks, but it's going to get better. And again, contextualizing this, this is like losing jobs, getting divorced. Big deal, right? In in the grand scheme of the universe in 100 years, none of this is going to (laughs) matter, right? But still, the, the, the building blocks of transformation and recovery are so important. And I like that this is a diversified portfolio of support for these these individuals. Right, right. And the thing that I like about 
Hager and then I love about their program is you know they focus on the three P's which is prosecution protection and then prevention right and so when you look at just all of the individuals that come in it's being able to give them the tools you know and empower them to be able to heal and then after they heal what's next right giving them the tools to be able to have a life and you know a successful life you know and there's there's a few that have gone through the whole program and now they're giving back by being social workers within the program oh really right and so yeah and it's that's the thing that i think is so empowering is when you're able to touch a life but you're able to turn a life around to actually be able to give back and they were so thankful and grateful for the experience that Hager gave them that now they give back and they're helping young girls that have gone through exactly what they went through and they're actually able to relate to them on a level that maybe most of us aren't. And so they, they get it, right? They get it. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a great program. I think that says a lot about the program too, because mm-hmm. if people are, I'll, I'll just <clears throat> use the word saved or transformed mm-hmm. or um, extracted, given a chance, given a chance, given a, chance yeah. right? a chance to have a different life. Yeah. And if that framework is so effective that then they feel the urge to give back, but then also like, it's so powerful with whatever the context is looking across the table and going like, I've been exactly where you've been. It, right. it legitimizes the conversation. Right, because thankfully most of us could never have that conversation. Thank yeah. God that none of us or most of us cannot have that conversation. Yeah. Right, but someone that has been empowered and has been through that that can save other girls or other boys or, you know, other women or men that have been enslaved or trafficked. It's like, to me, that is being able to relate on their level but also knows the journey. And that's what Hager is about, is that whole journey, being able to look at it holistically from the date of inception and bringing them in and what is needed to be able to really give them a great foundation for a a better life. Mm -hmm. I'll just read some of the um, examples of like a donation here, like $35 can provide a survivor returning to school with a uniform, supplies and a school bag. $50 helps uh, a survivor received medical care and vaccinations. $100 supports a child in foster care for a month. 200 can help a survivor to receive intensive individual counseling for two and a half months. Yeah. And, right. and I realize, you know, for the listeners out there, this is definitely, um, you know, pushing this cause, but I'm doing it because Carrie's important to me and this is important to her. And then therefore this is important to me too. So, you know, this is, definitely a unique conversation and a unique episode but you know if anybody's listening to this like resonates like you know take a look at the the website and i'll post links to all that here but um yeah like yeah what else um well um if anyone is interested in helping the cause i can give i'll put the link I'll give you the link, Matt, sure. where they can just donate directly. It'll also have the website. You'll be able to look at the mission, the cause, the the whole program and how Hager helps everyone and, you know, the, the different, um, you know, unique 
circumstances. And then you also can listen to some videos about their survivors and, and you know, what they have to say about Hagger and what they've done for them. So that would be, that would be great. So. Absolutely. I'm one down. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, nice job yes. for your first podcast. First of several right (laughs) (laughs) so anything helps and i appreciate you having me tonight because just having that outreach and the awareness makes a difference it does it does and there's no shortages of causes i've been involved with many over my years and if this one is one that resonates with you just you know definitely you know at least give it some eyeballs and if you know you're so compelled to support it um, yeah, please do so. Right. But and right now, Gardner, my company, just sent out a notification um, about three weeks ago that said that they would match up to two hundred percent of donations for a cause, um, up to five thousand per employee. So that would be ideal right now, right? And, and we'll probably do another outreach and probably another podcast, I'm just saying, um, <laughs> at the of end course. of the year because that's when, you know, that's when usually Hager does like the big outreach campaign starts in the fall. But um, since Gartner was sponsoring, you know, that 200% match, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to be able to make a huge impact really quickly and, you know, financially be able to help them. Wonderful. Well, Carrie Zellner, it's been wonderful to see you again. This is um, half of everything I knew it would be because the other half will be the second episode about (laughs) (laughs) your IT experience. But um, I'm happy to be a vessel and uh, help broadcast something that's important to you because you're so very important to me. And so I just anything that I could ever do to help, just give me a call. Thanks, Matt. (laughs) This has been great. (laughs) Nice job. Bye-bye. Episodes of this podcast are produced and written by me, Matt Sodnikar. The intro was engineered by good friend Cole Weinman. And our original score theme song, Retro Funk, was composed by previous guest and good friend Randy Wiafe. I also have two requests. If you like this show, please share it with a friend who you think might like it. And also take the time to show them how to listen to a podcast, either on Apple transistor or spotify and i know you know somebody out there that would make a fantastic guest and if you do please shoot me an email to podcast at thewarmfront.com thanks for listening